It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now, with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. Silver and Black Today, the Tuesday edition. Scott Branson, Mo Moten back with you. And joining us now, too, is our guest for the day. That is Mr. Phil Robinson III with one L. It's spelled incorrectly in the graphic. That is all my fault. So I have to apologize to our guest for that one. Uh, I'll blame it on the holiday weekend, Phil. You know, a lot of drinking was involved, I'm sure. You start seeing multiples of things, and it's easy to see a couple of L's when uh, there was only one there, especially when you're a fan of the Raiders. Oh, look at that. that now, you talk about a way to start. Early singer. Holy moly. And he's got, Early for those singer. of you watching on YouTube or wherever you're watching, he's got fire behind him because he's going to bring it today, I'm sure. Uh, but we want to talk to Phil. Phil, of course, you can catch him. He writes as a contrib- contributor up on RaiderRamble.com, but also his uh, show, The Unfiltered Truth, you can catch live uh, on Twitter and YouTube, you name it. So make sure you follow him as well on Twitter. And we'll put his stuff in the description of the show. But, Phil, this piece you did on Raider Ramble about the Raiders' first full offseason under Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels um, is kind of a mixed bag. Tell everybody, kind of give them your takeaway from a high level, and then we'll get into some detail with you. Um, So a lot of it, it's a mixed bag. You look at what they did when they came in, and they tried to show some loyalty to the roster. They, They extended Derek Carr. They brought in Devontae Adams. They extended Hunter Renfro. They extended Darren Waller. They extended Max Crosby, but they did not extend Josh Jacobs. And through, through the course of the season, Josh Jacobs was the league's leading rusher. And since they didn't extend him and give him the fifth-year option, excuse me, they ended up pay, giving him the franchise tag and paying him the $10 million anyway. Now... We, I'll, I'll stick with the articles, but since the article I've written came out, we've had some other things come into question here, and so it, we'll address that later. But the moves that have been made through the course of the, the year were to be expected a little bit because a new system, guys got to figure out, the coach has to figure out who can fit the system, who can play. Are these the same guys that he saw on tape versus now that he's got them in the building and now that he's trying to implement what he's trying to do, can they do it? And the answer for some of those was no. Derek Carr had statistically one of his worst seasons ever and, and proved to be that he was not going to be the guy moving forward with this franchise. Um, Josh Jacobs came out, was a league-leading rusher, and they thought that he was going to be done, washed up, injury history, you know, couldn't stay healthy, couldn't give you a full season. So what did he do? He almost broke Marcus Allen's rushing record. 
and over the course and over the course of his four years in the league, he's got 4,700 yards rushing and 40 touchdowns. Running back is typically not a position that it pays off to reward with large contracts, but at the same time, he's been the prototypical embodiment of what it is that they're looking for from all their players. And, and you can't not pay him, especially mm. with what you have, what you're looking at in offensively now, because your quarterback is, is a, uh, has some question marks at it. And so with a, with a, one of the things that he said in the off season about how he was going to get paid was he had no problem taking less. If you were going to bring in somebody who was going to be able to take some of the pressure off of him. But if you expected him to play hero ball, which it is looking more and more like is going to be expected of him, then you are going to need to pay him accordingly. You bring up a good point there. Cause I, I talked about that a lot with Scott here that depending on what the Raiders roster looks like going into week one, Josh Jacobs is going to look around at training camp and say, look, this roster looks like a five, six win team. You're going to have to pay me before I continue on, before I continue to come to practice and put my all into this. So I agree, fully agree with your point there. I made that point previously. But I want to go back to just an overview of the, of the regime right now. Over the past you know, year, year and a half, what would you say is the best move this regime has made? You can't use Devontae Adams as a, as a, as a talking point. Excluding Devontae Adams because we all know he's great. Other than Devontae Adams, what is the best move that this regime has made and what is the worst or most questionable this regime has made since Dave Ziggler and Josh McDaniels got together in Vegas? Best move this, the best move that this regime has made has been bringing in Carmen Brasillo. What they've been able to do with the bodies that they have in terms of offensive line has been tremendous. And for all of a lot of the talk that I've heard and seen when it comes to the offensive line is about how terrible they are, how they can't block nobody, how what they can't do and how we need to go out and get names and guys that people know so that they can feel better about what it is that this offensive line does. This offensive line provided the 11th most time to throw that they often provided enough time for Derek Carr to hold the ball for far too long and not make the decisions that he needed to make and get the ball out. In addition, for all of the flack that Andre James caught for some of the earlier earlier play in, in previous seasons, he got injured with a concussion. And without him, we all heard about Dylan Parham playing center. And, you know, he did a good, admirable job, filled in there great. But when Andre James came in, there was, came back, there was a noticeable change in the offensive line. They kicked it into high gear. And from that point on, Josh Jacobs became the best rusher in the league and potentially the most valuable player of any franchise. Because if you took Josh Jacobs off this franchise or his production, the Raiders got very little when he wasn't on the field. Yeah, good then point. Win, then, then your worst move. Then my worst move that this regime has made under Josh McDaniels and uh, Dave Ziegler, the continued the continued lack of attention to the linebacker position. Mm. We've talked a lot about that on here, Phil. You you cannot at the the range. I, I won't even talk about the player. The range that you ask these guys to cover to defend is crucial to success of the defense. You can have the best front four. You can have the best back four. But if you've got nothing in the middle three, you have a problem. This team has failed to address the linebacking position in the middle of the defense forever. 
Now, <laughs> Denzel Perriman was lucky enough to get into the Pro Bowl as an alternate, and I got all the love and respect for him. He was personal personal favorite of mine. I enjoyed watching him play. His issue was injury and pass coverage. When it, when it came to watching him do man-to-man coverage, it, it was, you realize why he wasn't asked to do that very much. It's it's and then the tight end, what tight ends and running backs have been able to do out of the flats and breaking in in terms of breaking contain. It comes down to having quality linebackers who have their prerequisite size and speed in order to play the position effectively the way that it needs to be played in the modern NFL. There you go. Hey, hey, on that one, I agree with you 100 percent. We started one of the one of the issues uh, that we wanted to talk about, too, and we, we spent the whole first segment on it. And I've said it's a little overblown in some ways in other ways, not so much. But the quarterback position, you talked about the Jimmy G, the, the contract addendum, the injury history, which is the bigger issue, not just a foot injury that's outlined in that. But everything we know about the career of Garoppolo and what he's done and the reason why he's earned the nickname Jimmy Glass. But beside that, let's just say Jimmy G doesn't go, Phil. The options behind Mo has said publicly that, hey, maybe you get Aiden O'Connell out there instead of Brian Horry. He's a young quarterback. What do you think of that? What do the Raiders do at quarterback if Garoppolo gets injured early or whenever he does? What is that problem going to do to this team and its ability to, to build that offense and satisfy its star players? Not only Josh Jacobs, which you talked about earlier in the segment, but also Devontae Adams. Uh, and 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 the entire team and just the flavor of the offense. Well, there's a couple there's a pu- couple <laughs> directions to go with the answer to that question. So I promise you, I'm going to get to the question that you asked. <laughs> right off the bat, I'm going to tell you my own personal opinion, and and this is and we got the flames on for a reason. Somebody deserves to be fired if mm. Jimmy Garoppolo cannot go. The in the inattention to the quarterback position, the high, the the signing of a gentleman with a for a glo- it's not a Liz Frank injury, but we've been I've been looking into it. It's along the region of the Liz Frank injury. What the difference being the Liz Frank, I believe, is a ligament issue, whereas the bone that is connected to that tendon is what Jimmy broke. So it's not necessarily a Liz Frank per se, but it is on the it has virtually the same effect. If I was if I was remember what I was told correctly, uh, and that is that's crazy to me. And so it's on his left foot and not the right foot. Initially, you would think that that wouldn't be a big deal because it's not his plant foot for throwing. But if you think about it. Every quarterback's first step from under center is a left foot pivot and push in order to put themselves in throwing position with their right arm. And so not being able to twist, put, put weight on, and drive to get to your proper depth in terms of your drop is going to be an issue. Not being able to be stable when you step and plant that front foot as you're throwing is going to be an issue and any type of push off in order to be elusive or make a football move to save yourself from a pass rush is going to be problematic. That being said, then we move on to what happened in the draft, knowing that this is the position that you're in with your starting quarterback, that he had surgery roughly some time after signing. We don't know exactly when, because I don't have access to those records. I have an idea, but you knew that 
oh, well, our doctor says that he should be good to go by this, by this time. And I believe on a foot recovery, it's usually about four to five months, which would have him at the mid, mid to late point of July. And that would give him just enough time to sneak in in terms of training camp. But in the event that there should be a setback, you are now looking at somebody who will not be available for training camp. Your backup situation is Brian Hoyer and Aiden O'Connell. And Brian Hoyer was unable to take control of the quarterback situation that saw Mac Jones and Bailey Zapp suck horribly out on the field. And so now that brings me to the question that was asked about having Aiden O'Connell out there. <laughs> At this point, what do you have to lose? Yeah. You, you have nothing to lose. You're e either he's going to be the second coming of Tom Brady, which, again, goes back to somebody should be fired for that, or he's going to be what everybody else fears him to be and a quarterback that probably should not have been drafted, a quarterback that would have a quarterback situation that should have prompted Dave Ziegler to give up the farm and pay whatever it was that Chicago asked to go out and get the proper guy or guys. Mm. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Phil, you, you kind of lead to the point where you're – it doesn't sound like you're a fan of Aiden O'Connell like I <laughs> I wasn't either. And I think you agree with this because I read this in your piece that the era of pocket – pure pocket passing quarterbacks is over. And I think Josh yeah. McDaniels is still living in the past when it comes to that. Everyone can't be Tom Brady because that's what people shoot back at me on social media. Well, look at Tom Brady. Look at Brock Purdy. Those are outliers. You cannot yeah. – that from a fourth rounder that's not the expectation those are guys who rose above their expectations and they're again they're outliers but i want to get back to your piece because you ended with a question i'm going to start with that question okay so let's say jimmy garoppolo does play most of the season and the raiders win six or seven games they go six and eleven seven and ten do you keep josh mcdaniels and daisy together or do you fire one mm. or do you fire both of them oh his background might speak to that so now you ask six or seven games. So what take, what would come comprise of a winning season? Personally, if you were all the moves that were made coming into the off season, starting with a third most cap space going into the draft with 12 draft picks, given the nature of what they've done with the roster in terms of turnover, taking a playoff team and turning it into 12 wins collectively the next two years, I would need to see as to why it was that they won six games. Could it be, is it defense related and still trying to build up the defense? Is it because you got an avalanche of injuries or is it because they just play Jimmy's not the guy and they just plain old suck or he goes halfway through the season and gets hurt again. Uh, so one of the, one of them has to go if there's no offensive success. 
And I'm not going to say that it's going to be the general manager because the moves that have been made offensively are reflective of the head coach. Mm-hmm. And Agreed. that, but that, that also leads to a different path of problems because once you get rid of the head coach, you now have a half of your, a third of your roster that has to be flushed. And the original talent that you had is all gone. So if these guys that they drafted don't turn out to be heroes, you got Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs is leaving, Max could probably be demanding a trade, Hunter Renfro has a set of issues on his own, there's some some concerns there, and even with those concerns, it's speculation that he won't be on the roster past next week. Yeah. So, so many unanswered questions and things that could happen between now and then, but man, we love the piece up on RaiderRamble.com so you can continue to read Phil up there. And also make sure you follow him on Twitter at PhilRobinson123. So three, three, because you're the third, right? Three eyes. Three eyes, thank you, to put it. Three eyes, but only one L. Yes, right? sir. <laughs> Phil, before, before we let you, I just want to give you a message to send back to Mario and Javier, my good friend Javier. I, I noticed I haven't seen any Lakers tweets from there recently. <laughs> Is everything one. good over there? Not just, a single just, one. Uh-oh, just, basketball. Just send, them my, just send them my heartfelt condolences and, and thoughts and prayers because I, they were coming after me. I reverse jinxed the Lakers. They got swept. And I know they're going to say, well, what about the Knicks? Well, let, let's just say the Knicks and Lakers won the same amount of of semi, what is that? <laughs> semi conference final games. Yeah, semi-final semi-final actually, games, conference yeah. final games. Actually, yeah, conference final. Yeah, conference so, final games. Zero zero for the Lakers and the Knicks in conference final games. So they want to come at me and say, "What about my Knicks? What were they doing?" Well, Lakers didn't win any either. So I guess we're even. Yeah, yeah you know they didn't get all those same whistles that they got against the Warriors and and couldn't get a, a single dub after that. Just Uh-oh, saying. There we go. See, Just got saying. the NBA going at the end Just of the saying. segment. Yep. Phil, as always, man, we appreciate you. And uh, make sure you tune in to the Unfiltered Truth as well uh, by following Phil on Twitter. It's good times. Man, take care. We'll see you soon. All right. Take care, guys. All right. Appreciate it. There you go. Phil Robinson the third. Always fun, Mo. Always fun I to got have Phil, Phil with on. one L. With one L, I know. Gosh. No you know? Phil for years. Yeah, so I know if I'm if if I'm able to go on their show again and they invite me on, I'm sure they're gonna play like Scott with one T. I think that would... <laughs> Just to pay you back, I, I, I made that... sure to let them know it wasn't me. It, yeah. it wasn't me. So don't no, be hey, when I make there. when I make a mistake, I own it, man. I'm not gonna blame it on somebody else. All right, we're gonna take our final break. When we come back, we will close out this Tuesday edition here on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey Original Podcast. Don't go anywhere. 